Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Testing. All right. Praise the Lord. God bless all of you. And uh, Joseph Torres. I haven't been called that since the third grade. <laughs> I feel important now. Here, I'm Joey, and I always will be Joey. Um, it's, a, it's an honor and a blessing to be able to always share with God's people. And um, this is uh, my favorite place, which is the house of God, the family of God. And uh, we're so excited to be able to share on uh, restoring the gates that prevail. And we are getting uh, closer to the end of this book, which um, I've read it a few times. And every time I read it, it just brings more uh, meat and potatoes to my life. And we're going to be sharing on the East Gate tonight, which has to do with the coming of the Lord, the rapture which is an exciting chapter, and um, it's also something that is near and dear to my heart because that's one of the reasons why I came to the Lord in the first place. When uh, Tia Mita and um, Virginia, which went on to be with the Lord, and me and Jose, my brother, Jose Red, were out there in the jungle of Miami, acabando, going crazy, um, his mom and uh, Jose's mom and, and Tia Mita would get uh, oil, and, uh, and, and anoint our shoes <laughs> and when we would sleep over and they would put oil on our clothes. And I remember one day, I'm like, what is this stuff, man? Your mom's crazy. <laughs> and one day she grabbed us before we were going out at night and she started to talk to me about the coming of the Lord. And boy, that was like freaky. I, I was like quiet for 10 minutes when we got in the car. And I was just thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to be left behind. And so that's really what got my attention to the things of the Lord, to be honest with you. And then I, I, I got saved and I became a Christian. So let's pray before we start. Father, tonight we just ask you, Lord, to move powerfully. And you are a faithful God, Lord. Even though we're not faithful, you are always faithful. To bring a timely word, a good word, Lord. And we know that the times... Are, are tough right now, and, and uh, your coming is near, Lord, according to your scripture, and we see the signs of the end of the age, Lord, and I pray that tonight's word will just touch home and just touch everybody's heart here tonight, Lord, and bring an understanding of these truths that are in the word of God and in this book, Lord, that was inspired by you, that you used our pastor to write, and tonight, God, I just ask you to use me as I bring forth this message, that everybody will see and hear that you are coming soon and that we could be ready and that we could also export those truths to other churches and the body of Christ around the world. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 1 through 2. And while we're going there, isn't that weather starting to get good? Like tonight, I felt actually the first time the little breeze, and uh, it felt good. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get home and, and dust off that, the dust off those nice sweaters and jackets that we never get to wear in Miami. Uh, the winter clothes seem to be nicer than the summer clothes, right? And you just want to wear those, those dresses and jackets and sweaters, so it's a good thing. I'm going to try to consolidate this message because 
we have to finish early tonight based on the fact that we have the Lord's Supper and we're going to try to get um, Leo's, Pastor Leo um, Gossage's memorial service on the internet. So I'm going to do my best and um, let's pretty much read this word. It says, After, afterward he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces towards the east. Verse 2. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Amen. Christ's return. Part of preparing the east gate, or preparing to, to share with you about the east gate, is renewing every Christian heart and mind to embrace Christ's return. A full bondservant, a full wholehearted sur surrender of Christ's is to live your life as if Christ was coming back right now. See, once you come to the knowledge of the truth and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're walking according, the best way that you can, walking according to the Bible, part of the rapture, part of that is living your life as if Christ was coming back right now, this second. And we refresh the knowledge of Christ's return is that no that Christ is going to come back at a twinkling of an eye. It's going to be so instant. Let me try to explain. The twinkling of an eye, it's very important to understand that in the eye, and a lot of you don't know this, that in the eye, and I was sharing this with the, I shared about the rapture actually a few weeks ago with the youth group, and some of them went home crying because they were freaking out. But I did it at their level, ages 6 through 12, but it's a truth that we must impart to the body. And many of us, sometimes we don't even talk about it. And we just live life if it's all good and we're engaged in 100 ministries and we're not even paying attention to what's important. And in the eye, the eye actually twinkles. Did you know this? Listen to this. This freaked me out when I f first heard it. The eye actually twinkles 70 times a second. <sighs> Think about it. One, 1,000. 70 times there's a twinkle. That's amazing. That blew my mind away. So it says that the returning of the Lord is going to come as a twinkling of an eye. And there's not even going to be time to repent at that point. There's not going to be time to be able to ask forgiveness to somebody that's offended you or you've offended. There's not even going to be time to pay a tithe. There's not going to be time to do anything. To fix affairs at that moment, you're done. It's over. It's finished. It is what it is. Either you stay or you go on to be with the Lord. And we're going to get in as to how we can do that. But I just want to um, reiterate the fact that it's so important to live this life at the edge of your seat. Like if you're walking on eggshells, knowing that your trust and confidence is in Christ and that he will return for his church. I remember, like I said, when I got saved and I came to the Lord, I want to try to impart to you tonight that sense of urgency, that passion, knowing that Christ is coming back. And I remember when I was at the Amita's house, we would be up until 2 or 3 in the morning, Friday and Saturday night, because obviously that was the time that we were used to staying up. But now we were Christian. And boy, it was just me, her, and Jose. And God bless Dr. Blass that never came outside and, hey, be quiet, I can't sleep. He never did that. Blessing. And so we would stay up talking about the coming of the Lord. And it was so real to me that I could remember 
going to her window of her house and looking outside to see if, God, if the Lord was going to come back right at that moment. I promise you before the Lord. And that was the way that I was and st still am. But, you know, when you first become a, a Christian and you hear about that, it's this thing that, that is just impactful. And that fire should always be there. That desire should always be in our hearts. We shouldn't lose that. One of Satan's purpose, purpose, which is many, but his main purpose is to obstruct the east gate with huge stones to blind and get people off track from the return of Christ. How? How does Satan do that? Well, I'll just tell you a couple. If we hang out with the ungodly, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, bad company corrupts good character. That's, a, that's one way right there where it could really take you off track and take you away from the purpose of the coming of Christ. Uh, our pastor was on TV the other night um, speaking about Halloween, and there was one of the ladies that was there, um, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, and she was um, you know, debating this whole issue of Halloween, how you know, we all know the history of Halloween, how it was originated in Europe and the Druids and this and that, and it evokes evil spirits. Well... The world's thought process is, well, what is wrong with allowing your child to eat candy and dress up as Superman, for instance? They're not dressing up as a witch or a demon or a devil. Is there anything wrong with that? There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. And, he, and then they were talking about another lady that was there that was actually a witch. And a pastor tells her, who you hang out with is who you are. And he told her just like that. Well, I'm, I'm her friend. The lady was saying, yeah, I know her. I'm her friend, but I don't believe in what she does. Really? You don't believe in what she does, but you're her friend? That's contradicting yourself. So he was very clear, and he challenged her right on TV, and I love that. Bold, passion. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it out to the light. Really? You, don't, you, you have fellowship with this lady. You're saying she's a nice lady, and you hang out with her, but then yet you don't agree with what she does and all this other stuff. Bad company corrupts good character. We want to live a Christian walk. We want to have the blessings of God. We want to live for the Lord. But then yet, the women that work or they keep fellowship with other women that talk bad about their husbands. They talk bad about their children and vice versa. Or you hang around with people that are still doing things like they used to do in the world. You, program, you look in the program on the phone and all your buddies are still on your phone. Come on. You got to make a decision. You got to come to the place where you have to say, am I in or am I out? Am I going to serve Christ or am I not? This is a walk that it's black and white. It's yes and amen. There is no middle ground. We have to come to that place where we need to make a decision, right? Because if we don't, this is something that's going to, listen, when Jesus comes back for his church, he's coming back for his church. And we're going to see later on tonight that it needs to be without spot or wrinkle. It's going to be a glorious church, beautiful, radiant, shiny, white robe. And so you're hanging around with the ungodly, bad company, and guess what? Left behind. That's scary. That is terrible. I really don't want that to happen. Another thing is your brain, your mind. The devil loves to play with our head, right? He loves to throw thoughts in there and just tell you that you're no good. You're insignificant, spirit of depression, spirit of, uh, you know, I, I'm not worthy. And as we become a Christian, see, I was just talking to a brother today. 
He's a Christian. He just came to the Lord recently. God restored his family, his marriage. His children loved to come to church. And he was telling me, man, I messed up. And I said, so what are you going to do? He goes, man, I don't even feel like coming back to church. I'm embarrassed to even say hi to the pastor. I'm ashamed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, why don't you just stay home and quit then? He says, for real? I go, I don't know. You tell me. I said, listen, man, that's the devil lying to you. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. But if you sit there and put yourself in a penalty box just because you fumbled the ball once, man, pick up the ball and keep running, man. And let me tell you something. That's not the first mistake that you're going to make. It ain't going to be the last. Rise up, brother, and stand up for the truth. And next time you come to church, hug your pastor and tell him that you love him. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame is from the devil. And we ourselves are our biggest enemy. And sometimes when we mess up, we put ourselves in a penalty box. And we're going to lose our salvation. We're going to lose the family of God because we messed up and we made a mistake. That's what the cross is for. So we can come and repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. But your forgiveness is true. Your love is real. You died. That blood was shed for me. And I always tell couples, when my wife and I counsel these couples, and, um, you know, they're going at it over something that they don't even remember. Like, I left the cap off the toothpaste, or he doesn't put his underwear in the hand. I don't know. Just things that we don't remember. And the thing is, I always tell them, you know how Christ died for you on the cross and shed his blood? Well, guess what? Let's say when you make a mistake and you sin, does Christ undo his death on that cross and say, I'm no longer your savior and undo his relationship, him being the bridegroom and us being the bride? Does he say, you're no longer my church, you're no longer my bride and undoes the covenant? No. So as a married couple and how Christ re resembled his, his relationship with us being the bride and how much weight he carries to marriage, I say to the couples, I say, listen, guys, what are you going to do? Undo your covenant because one of you made a mistake or you're so angry at that person? You shouldn't and you can't. So the same way he can't undo his covenant is the same way we shouldn't undo ours because that covenant has been sealed. The deal has been sealed. And so that's what I tell them. So that's another way, point number two, that the devil will try to lie with us and play with our head and put us in that box. And next thing you know, we're backsliding like that brother today. And he loses his salvation or he loses his way. And the rapture comes and he'll be one of those that are going to have to face the seven years of trial. Don't let, and then the third point that can take us away from the path is don't let false truths come into your life. As a man thinketh, so is he. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, we see that. We see the prophet Samuel gave a powerful implication of Christ's return in Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel um, chapter 44, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, oh, okay, then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces towards the east, but it was shut. And then the Lord said to me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter by it, because the Lord God of Israel has entered by it, and therefore it shall be shut. As for the prince, because he is the prince, he may sit 
in to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the, the same way. Also, he brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, and I fell on my face. We shall live according to God's return as the days draw near. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, the coming of Christ, we see that this is very evident. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, the coming of Christ is evident. We see these signs that take place. It says, for as the lightning comes from the east and the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It says the love of many will grow cold. In Matthew 24, read that one day on your own time. We don't have time to do it tonight, but listen. In Matthew 24, it talks about that the love of many will grow cold. Try some, cutting somebody off in traffic in Westchester and see what happens. More than likely, you're going to get the international finger shot at you, right? Somebody's going to tell you off. Or somebody's going to take your parking, and then what? There's no love. We, even in our own family, we, we hurt the ones that were, are closest to us and that we love the most. The love of many will grow cold, and we see that now. We see that's already happening. It says that there will be earthquakes in various places. That's, look, watch the news, CNN, all over the place. These are the signs that are taking place now, more than ever. Would you agree? That's happening all over the place. So we need to be ready we need to be attentive. This is the word of God that says, see, now nobody knows the day or the hour, but we will know when the coming is near by the signs and the things that are taking place now. It says that it's like a woman in labor, right? We see Sister Lily. She's in three weeks ready to go. She's going to start getting those pains and those contractions. And I remember my wife, we were eating dinner like a week before, and all of a sudden, ooh, and we were like, oh. And we started timing. Is it close? Is it two minutes? Is it three minutes apart? I don't remember anymore. But anyway, <laughs> we were like, okay, you got the bag ready? Yeah, and you get excited? Yeah. Well, guys, you got your bag ready? Are you ready? Because the signs are there. It's just like that woman that's about to give birth. That's the way that the Bible explains it. And he gives us these signs. He's not going to just leave us out there to dry. He's giving us these signs. He's giving us this message tonight so that we can be ready, guys. And not only be ready, but spread that to everyone else. And we're going to see that now in a minute. We as a church must, must stay focused. Don't believe the enemy. The enemy will come and try to distract you from the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to open up here in my Bible. Praise the Lord. Beloved, I, I now write to you this second epistle. I stir you up, pure minds, by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken to you by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. That's already happening. People are walking according to their own lusts, what they think, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? People are going to tell you, oh, yeah, you Christian, you're talking about that Jesus is going to come back soon and look at the news and that everybody hates everybody and this and that and you're so negative and you're going to hear all kinds of things and they're going to make fun of you just like in the days of Noah. Where is the promise of his coming? You see, liar, 
Jesus is not coming back, man. What's the matter with you? Go invest more money in the stock market. Keep investing. Put your trust down here on these earths, man. My, like I saw this bumper sticker the other day. It says, my trust and confidence is in my 357 Magnum. That's where his heart, you know, he's like saying his gun, a 357 is a gun. That's where his trust is in. I don't care about everybody else, but you mess with me and I'm going to boom. That's his confidence. Well, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. How's that? The sword of the Spirit is sharper than any double-edged sword. <laughs> where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. So people are going to challenge you and you're going to be challenged and you need to stand strong. Stand firm, therefore, brethren, and do not fret or be dismayed or be tossed to and fro by the, out, um, by the people of what they tell you and how they tell you. You need to know who your creator is, who you are in Christ, and who you believe in. And that's the decision that you need to make. It's all about a decision. It's not about whether I don't know, and this is real, and I don't feel, and my friends. No, either you believe it or you don't. That's a decision that you need to make, my friend. It's not about keep playing patty cake and wondering, well, is this thing for real? Well, well it's going to be real when you get left behind, right? And the children are innocent. They've asked me once, well, what about if the kid is too young to make a decision and the babies, what happens to them? Man, they go to heaven. Children are inheritance of the Lord. Children belong to Jesus. And how sad it would be, you as a parent, wake up in the morning, millions of people have disappeared from the face of the earth and you go running in the little Johnny's room and you see his pajamas there and ah, what happened? And then you get left behind. We're not playing around. This is real. You, need, you need believe it or you don't, but this is, I believe it because it's in the word of God. Page 220, and pastor says it best in his book, so I just want to read right out of the meat. And it says this. Many will say a lot of truth, but we have to choose not to believe it. There are many that call themselves Christians that don't know about the coming of the Lord. So we as Christians must inform and prepare the church for Christ's coming. We need to be ready is the bottom line. Restoring the East Gate will allow us to safeguard of, to safeguard of Christ's return. We need to have a security in our hearts to know that we know that we know that when Christ comes back, we're not going to be trembling or not sure because you still have a hidden sin that nobody knows and it's behind the scenes. If I was to show a camera tonight of your secret sin on that video, I think most of us would be out of here. It's a shame to, the Bible says it's a shame to even mention what those who say they love me do in secret. So those are the things that matter. It doesn't matter on when, when you come here to church. This is just a huddle. This is just like in a football game that y'all huddle and then the quarterback takes the snap and does the play. This is this. Quarterback, the pastor, he sends the message. You receive the message and then you are not just hearers of the word, but then you actually do it. What a concept, Right? When you're home alone in secret, you want to have anointing, you want to have power, you want to be able to learn how to pray like pastor and pray for people so they can get sick and walk in the power of God, start living for Christ when nobody's looking. Be the real deal when nobody's around you. 
That's how you can safeguard your um, salvation in Christ, right? That's when you know that you know when Christ comes back, you're going to fly with him. Twinkling of an eye. Hold on, let me say forgive. Too late. Gone. Let's not be caught off guard. Don't be caught sleeping. In Matthew 20, um, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And I'm trying to hurry up here, but this is good right here, this verse. All of them are good, but this one's good. Chapter 25. All right, here we go. Verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Let's skip down to verse 8. And the foolish, verse 8, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for, you, for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And when they went to buy, the bridegroom, verse 10, came to those who were ready and went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. You don't want that door to be shut, do you? You want to be able to get in that party. You want to be able to get into that feast, that celebration. I, I, I um, was sharing a song with my kids the other day, and now our daughter, six-year-old, she doesn't stop singing it. Remember that song that's come and come me to my father's house. It's a big, big table. And it's an old one. And, they, you know, they don't play it anymore, but I shared it with them, and now she loves it. Is there really going to be a lot of food? Is there really going to be a football where we can play? And I said, listen, heaven is heaven. There's many mansions. If it, not were, if it were not so, I would never have told you. So we do have a mansion prepared for us up there. And I do believe that maybe there will be football and food. Who knows? But... <laughs> Uh, heaven is heaven. It's the kingdom of God. And so I'm excited about what God has to say about heaven. And if you're ever discouraged, by the way, <laughs> if you're ever discouraged, just read about heaven. <laughs> In Re Revelation chapter 21 about the streets of gold and the city, the new city, that'll really get your spirit up, man, in the Lord. That'll get you soaring with the Lord and right back up and ready. Um, so don't fall asleep. Let's, let's not be caught off guard. And the Bible speaks of that as being like a thief in the night. We're going to talk about that in a second. That, that's really, that, that one got me too. It says, let's talk about it now. Thief in the night. If I told you tonight that I was going to come, not me, but somebody was going to come and, and break into your house at 2 in the morning and steal your home. They were gonna. They had a strategic plan. They've been following you to work every morning. They know when you're not home, and they know when you're sleeping. They already made copies of your keys, and they had it all planned out. They know exactly how to get in and get out, and they're gonna do it at two in the morning. And I told you that they're gonna come to your house at two in the morning tonight, and they're gonna steal that hidden stash that you have your money saved up, and they're gonna take that watch and that wedding ring and this, and they're gonna steal from you tonight all your valuable possessions. Wouldn't you be there with the cops and a 357 waiting for that guy? <laughs> I would. Well, tonight, the word of God is saying, be like thief in the night, right? Be watching out for the Lord as if you were the homeowner and be on the lookout as if the Lord were coming back right now tonight. The way you live your Christian life, be ready. Don't be caught off guard. Be ready for that thief. When the Lord comes back, he's going to just come and take a wow. You want to be part of that trip. You want to be on that, on that, on that, um, on the rapture. You want to be raptured. 
We must be about our Father's business, doing His will. I love the verse where it says, um, where Jesus, He got lost from His, his parents, um, Mary and Joseph, and they weren't looking for Him, and they were like, where is He? We can't find our son. He, he's missing. What do we do? And they went looking for Him everywhere, and they went and they, they found Him. And what did He say to them when they found Him? He said, Mom, Dad, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Why were you looking for me everywhere? Well, that's the same way I want Christ to come when he finds us. I want to be about my father's business. You see, this has been a crazy week. When we got that phone call, we were picking up the kids from school, and Yvette called Suleika, and I can hear her voice on the other end cracking, and I'm like, Suleika, ah! And when your wife, how many of you men, when your wife goes, ah, you know, I've learned not to freak anymore because mostly it's just because there's a bug or something simple. But this time I saw her face and it wasn't just a bug. We received word that, that uh, Pastor Leo had, 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 had gone to be with the Lord and, and um, it was a shocking news. But as I was thinking about it and meditating on it this week, I, I said to myself, you know, Leo went out with his boots on. Right? He wasn't doing something. He was serving the Lord. He was about his father's business. He's a general in God's army right now. And when he comes back to rule and judge the earth accordingly, I can just imagine him right there with Christ, boy, on one of them glorious horses. I want to be right there with them. That's that. I want to be that. One of the quotes that Leo said, and I, I've been listening to CDs, and... Um, he says, we must learn to choose not to choose. Let me say that again. You're going to be home tonight around 2 in the morning, and it's going to hit you. Oh, I got it. <laughs> we must learn to choose not to choose. That means it's no longer do what I want to do, but I do what Christ wants me to do. When you wake up in the morning, you got to choose not to do what you've chosen. You got to do what he's chosen you to do. And I love that verse. Charles Spurgeon says, Beware of no man more than yourself. We are our worst enemies, right? We carry our worst enemies within us. That's what Charles Spurgeon says. It all starts with you. And why is it that when we fumble the ball, we mess up, things aren't going well for us financially, we're quick to point at God. We're quick to point at the pastor. We're quick to point at our wife, our husband, and we blame everyone else. Why not and put it on us? Take responsibility for your own. You determine your decision. You got to make a decision. It doesn't matter if your bank account is whatever or you owe whatever. Listen, you got to start somewhere. Make a decision to choose not to choose. Start doing what Christ wants you to do. And if you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Yeah. Try that and you would be amazed. Living a life for Jesus, being obedient to his voice, and loving others and serving. We know we have entered into a servanthood when we can wake up in the morning and say to ourselves and not think about what our needs are, but you know you've become a true bondservant in Christ when you wake up in the morning and you think about what are the needs of others, that's when you know you've entered into the servanthood of Christ. When you can wake up in the morning and think about what other people need 
and how you can serve someone else. That's when you know you've died to you. You see, Joey died a long time ago. I don't, I don't live for me anymore. Now, I live for Christ. I do what he has caused me to do. It doesn't matter because when Christ comes, that's what I want to be found. I want to hear those glorious words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not depart from me. I never knew you. So we must choose not to choose. I love that. Great quote. The reason why we are engaged in his work and serving and doing a hundred ministries is for his glory, not ours, to prepare the people for Christ's return. Ask yourself this question tonight and say, why am I a Christian? Is it so I can be rich? Is it so I can get married? I remember before when I first got saved, I would, uh, Lord, if you would just let me get this career, then you can come back for your church. Just let me get this job first and let me finish my job. Let me finish my schooling and let me get this good job and start making money and then you can come back. He gave me that. I thank you, Lord. And then I would tell him, Lord, now one more thing. Just let me get married. Please, don't come back yet until I can get married. I want to know what it's like to be married. Please, Lord. He gave me a wife. And then after that, okay, Lord, thank you. But now I just want to see just one kid, just to see what he looks like or her, really quick. And then you can come back for your church. And so it's going to be, it's a never-ending I, I stopped that. I, I learned in my early Christian walk, that's wicked. I should not pray like that. It's not about me. It's about him. And when he decides, my job is to just be ready. Because there's always going to be a, but wait, just one more. But if you just get, ah, uh, no. And I and the single people right now are saying, te reprendo. <laughs> I hear you. I, I've been there. But praise the Lord. <sighs> but the true reason why we're engaged in God's glorious work isn't so we can have a hundred ministries, have a mega church, only disciple people, baptize them, you know, all these things. We're engaged in doing it. And service is great and ministries are awesome and family. But the real reason, I would think, right, is because he died for the forgiveness of our sins. We came to the knowledge of the truth. He washed us with his blood. He forgave us. He made us whole. And now we know we have another world that waits us. We're pilgrims on a foreign land. This isn't our residence. This isn't our home. Your address, 15824 Southwest 14. That's not your home, Miami, Florida. Your home is heaven, the kingdom. There's a mansion that waits for you. This life is like Omar said, Pastor Omar was saying the other day, it's a foof, vapor, the apple guy. Uh, you know, Leo, listen, man, we got to be ready. We got to be ready. Because this is just temporary. And the legacy that we're leaving here in this house is one that's going to last for the generations and our children's children. Or if the Lord comes back before then, right? Why is it that every time things start getting shaky and messed up and things get real rough, I'm like, ah, the Lord's coming back soon. It doesn't matter. And that's like a sense of... Uh, Ah, Selah, right? And you feel good. Man, bride and groom, feedback. Bride and groom, the church and the Lord. We always see how it compares to marriage, right? I said that earlier. The bride and the groom, we're the bride. 
and he's the bridegroom. And every time in, in, in weddings, and I remember Sister Julieta shared this many years ago. Um, she says, when I go to a wedding and I see the bride, and she's in the back of the church, and she's standing up there with her beautiful white dress, right? And everybody stands up and da 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 And everybody stands up, and you look in the back at the bride. She says she looks at the groom because his face is, it's an expression that you can't really fabricate. You got to, in John Davis and Julie wedding, try that. Watch everybody now, pobrecita. No, I'm just kidding. Look at the bride. Don't look at the groom. But I'm just saying, that's how, that I would imagine that that expression is how God would be looking at his bride. He loves the church. He loves his body. He loves his people. He can't wait to be with her. He can't wait to live with her and stay with her forever. And that's how much Jesus loves us. His love is everlasting. It's pure. It's holy. It's true. There's nothing that you could do to make Christ stop loving you. I've learned that. He loves you so much that you can never imagine how much he loves you. He has every hair on your head numbered and counted. That's how much he loves you. I tell the youth group on Friday, when you're with your parents in the tight parking space of Publix or Walmart, bust out with a prayer. God, help mom find a parking space. And he cares about that parking space. He cares about all the little things. And when he starts to move in that way, your parents will get saved because he starts to see, wow, wait a second. This little person here has a relationship with Jesus. They just got me this parking and so, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. If you want to hear more, free advertising, if you want to hear more about this um, marriage thing, don't forget to register for that seminar. It's going to be a blessing, I'm telling you. It's God's instruction on marriage. And, he, and God holds a high regard to marriage because he compares it with his church, right? Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Christ is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And I'm coming to a close. Trying to fit this in here. Five. Verse 27. It says, That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. It's coming back for a glorious church, people. When the Lord returns, many will be left behind. You think to yourself, just because you're a pastor, a minister, a servant, an usher, a worship leader, um, a Sunday school teacher, you think that you're grandfathered in into the kingdom, and that is not so. See, God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outer appearance. We know about the story of David, a shepherd boy, full of sheep poo. That's the one that God picked to be the next king. And so let's see this quick video, and then we'll wrap it up, on how in this movie, Left Behind, this very pastor preached it, and he thought he was living it, but he got left.
fraud I am. And everybody bought it. Except you. I knew your message. I knew your words. I stood right here. I preached it. And I was good. But they're gone. They're gone. And... Oh, but knowing and believing are two different things. I'm living a lie. I'm living a lie. Forgive me of my sins. I am asking you, give me one more chance. To receive you in. Forgive me, God. Use me, Lord, please, just use me. I was selling it, but he wasn't buying it himself. A lot of us think that we're good, but we may not be. So how do we know? Well, we need to have faith, and we need to believe in our heart, and we got to come to that place of repentance. We got to truly, fully, fully surrender our heart to the Lord. For him, it was too late. We're like in the days of Noah. We tell people these things and they think we're nuts. Flood, rain, <laughs> hasn't rained here ever. What do you mean? No way. It's not going to happen. Don't be like that guy. Every believer must await the Lord's return with passion. And I hope this message has given you all a different perspective on life. Your bank accounts, portfolios, earthly possessions, mean nothing when the Lord returns. That's going to be left behind. We need to let the church know the fact that Christ said that he is coming quickly. It says it in Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 
and 21. We as a church need to export these truths about Christ's return. We need to, the way we can do that is learn the biblical truths about Christ's return. Know, be educated about what it says about the rapture and how the rapture is going to take place and that nobody knows the day of the hour. No one knows. All these predictions that you see on TV, that people saying, well, in the year 2000 this and 2000 and 9 o'clock, nobody knows. Nobody. Share these truths with those around you. Live as an example life around of Christ so that others will come to Christ so that then we could share about these truths. Evangelize everywhere. The glory of God is in you. When you're in line at Walmart, McDonald's, everywhere you go, share the gospel. Let your light shine. And, and you know, we, that should be our light of life in us all the time. The church is just a huddle so that we can go out and preach the gospel to others. Why are we as Christians is all that so we can be ready for the coming of Christ to go to our permanent residence, which is the kingdom of heaven. So get ready for the kingdom of Christ's return. Now I close with this. If you feel that you've made a mistake or fumbled the ball and you don't feel ready for Christ's return, I want to tell you tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that all old things have gone away. Behold, all things have been made new. He will throw your, sea, your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. There is always room for forgiveness at the cross. It doesn't matter how great of a sin you've made. Even if you've been a Christian, well, I've been doing this sin over and I have this addiction and I can't. Repent. Come to the Lord. Psalms 51. Great scripture in Psalms on a true repented heart. Read that and then you can come to that truth. Maranatha. The Lord is coming quickly. He's returning soon. So I leave you with this. If you feel that you don't know if you're ready for the coming of the Lord, today, tonight is your night. Don't let one more moment pass you. Don't leave out of this building saying to yourself, man, I, want, I don't know if I'm ready. How can I get ready? First, accept Jesus into your heart as your Savior. Acknowledge that he died for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Believe that he rose again on the third day. And then after that, live according to his gospel. Simple. We are the ones who complicate. And with that, God bless you all. Let's get ready for the Lord's Supper and have Pastor come forward.